I am thrilled to have on the line with me right now Dr. Jill Vecchio. Uh, she is an expert on health care. Uh, she's a doc. She's a, a radiologist. And one of the few people in America that had actually read the uh, Affordable uh, Care Act, Obamacare. Jill Vecchio, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Kim. And it's the Unaffordable Care Act. Just, you know, just to keep things <laughs> just, honest. Just to clear, that's right. We are looking at things for truth. So the Unaffordable right. Care Act. And you know because you read the whole thing. That's right. Yep. Okay. Well, Jill, uh, there seems to be a movement, particularly with many of these young progressive activist Democrats, just to point the Democrat Party of today is not the Democrat Party of JFK or your your parents' uh, Democrat Party. It is a radical progressive activist group that wants to control every aspect of our lives. And one of those is socialized medicine, Medicare for all. You know, they, they, they try to wrap it up and put a bow on it by by different words, but in essence, what they're talking about is socialized medicine. Right, right. And the, but the Medicare for all, um, people can relate to that because uh, they they it's kind of like Medicare. The government is this black box from which wonderful things can flow, but nobody re, but nobody trusts the government if you ask them. So it's, it's this weird kind of. Uh, double standard dichotomy uh, where all of a sudden if, if money comes out of the government that's a good thing but um, having to send a check to the government or wanting the government to do something for you or trusting Congress that doesn't happen so it's kind of if you if you tested people's just their common sense about this they would have to take a step back uh, but Medicare uh, was enacted in 1965 and the AMA was initially opposed to it they said it would it would bankrupt people would lose control over their health care uh, any kind of any form of government controlled health care is not a good thing um, but now we have this whole generation of elderly um, that is now so large. When Medicare was enacted, uh, there were there were several, like something like 14 people paying into Medicare for every one person that made it to the age of 65 that could actually use Medicare. So uh, over the years, that's really flipped around. So now it's it's almost on a one to one basis of a little over one person is paying in for somebody that's taking out and the people the medicare patients that are taking out are using two to three times the health care that they have put it that they paid into so already Medicare isn't working. I mean, from a from a fiscally, from a financial standpoint, it doesn't work at all. Well, that doesn't really seem fair to me. No, it isn't. And when you when you tell the young people you're paying into this, but you're never going to see it because it's going to be bankrupt long before you ever get there. And then now you want Medicare for all. Now, one of the things that people really need to understand, um, number well, number one, it's a moral argument for them. This has nothing to do with reality. It has nothing to do with fiscal responsibility. It has nothing to do with sustainability from a financial standpoint. Those arguments mean nothing to them until, you know, unless they're actually writing a check for it, which none of the, none of the millennials are. Um, so they're making this as, as a moral argument because all these other developed countries in the world have some kind of universal health care system and it's working so perfectly everywhere else. 
Is it but really? they don't want to know that it's not, but it's absolutely not working. Okay, so um, they think it is, but in reality it's not. Right. The only countries that have a sustainable system all have developed a two-tiered system. The two-tiered systems in these other countries are going to consist of a very basic level of health care and then the option for um, other people to spend cash or have private insurance or some other uh, some other avenue to get higher level care or more immediate care because a delay in care is, is a huge problem in all of these places and not having access to high-tech treatments and diagnostic procedures. So like Canada, UK, Japan, they have two-tiered systems. In Japan, for instance, it's really remarkable that primary care doctors in Japan may see between 100 and 150 patients per day. I'm not lying. 100 to 150 patients per day. That gives them like three minutes with each patient. They write more prescriptions because they don't have time to do all the diagnostic work. So, and in emergency care in Japan is an absolute crisis mode. It has been for years. Uh, physicians in the National Healthcare Service in Britain went on strike. Ninety-eight percent of them voted to go on strike because they were being so abused. We're having to work um, going from five days a week to six days a week with no extra pay. Um, taking call. I mean, essentially, the National Health Service was just abusing their physicians so badly that they just like, this is bad for patients. Patients, they had stories about patients um, dying from you know, exhausted physicians. And that's, I mean, it's really bad. You so know, well, these and, systems and, don't really work. And what you're t- describing now under this Medicare for all, socialized medicine, is a two-tiered system which becomes the haves and the have-nots, which is what happens under socialism or communism. And uh, I have a friend who had a cousin in Britain that uh, she had cancer. And basically it was determined that she could no- have no more additional care. They just were going to let her die. And she died. And I would much rather have my physician and I be making my health care decisions versus the government. But when you get into socialized medicine, what happens is, is that decision making is moved away from the individual and the doctor and it goes to some bureaucrats and politicians. Exactly. And the people who support kind of a universal health care system, Medicare for all, whatever cute little term you want to put on it, the people who support that are fine having the government make decisions for somebody else. <laughs> They're okay with that. But don't tell them what to do. You know, Don't tell me that I can't make this decision. And, in, and the other thing, there are cultural differences. In a lot of these countries, they've had monarchies and you know somebody else telling the majority of people what to do for centuries or millennia. The people, people aren't used to the system that we have where self-determination and you get to make your own decisions and you're responsible for your own decisions, but you have all of this autonomy in how you spend your money and so forth and where your money goes. So other countries just don't have that and they never have had that. And I've had several people from other countries say you are absolutely right that is a huge part there's a cultural issue in a lot of these countries that they're okay with this they're okay with the government telling them when they can live and when they die when they can't have treatment you want to try telling americans that forget it you know that's not going to go over so big 
We're just just not used to it as a culture. Well, boy, there's so many things that I'd like to bite off on this. Um, I'd like to tee up the question, is health care a right? What do you think? I think that's the first question you always have to ask. Do I have time to explain it, or do we need to go? You know what? Why don't we go to break, and uh, we'll come back. So this is uh, Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks talking with Dr. Jill Vecchio, who was one of the few Americans that actually read the whole affordable or slash unaffordable care act, uh, Obamacare. And we're going to come back. The question on the table, is health care a right? We'll be right back. On the line with me is Dr. Jill Vecchio. She is an expert on health care policy here in America. She actually read the complete Obamacare, the Unaffordable Act, uh, and, and was out there talking to people about what was in it. Nancy Pelosi said, we have to pass it so we could see what is in it. You'd actually read it, Jill. You knew what was in it. <laughs> Yes, definitely. Well, I mean, I found out, and then I had to do a bunch of research to figure out what it all meant. That was the hardest thing. Reading is one thing, figuring out what it all means and what's, you know, what what the prognosis is for what's going to happen to the health care system is a different thing, and that took a lot of time. It did take a lot of time, uh, but you've done a lot of great work, and, and you've actually seen that some of the things you were concerned about did happen, although we've seen President Trump start to kind of pull some of that stuff back, but you weren't surprised when, when, uh, when we saw what happened. No, you know, everything that um, me and, and others predicted um, to be the result of, of Obamacare actually happened, and more. It was it was really bad. We went to the White House. A, a bunch of physicians met in Washington D.C. at the White House a um, year and a half ago or something, and uh, kind of told stories about what has transpired since Obamacare was enacted, and and not even all of it was enacted. I mean, they made like seventy some changes to Obamacare uh, to to keep the worst things from happening. And in spite of that, I mean, it was, it was the stories were incredible about and, and what Obamacare did was change the uninsured from one one demographic of people to another. That's all it did. It didn't increase the people that got insured, got insured through Medicaid, which is a horrible system to put somebody on. And the people who lost their insurance were people who had insurance and were being responsible people. Um, before Obamacare, and then they were they were just on the precipice where, when the cost of Obamacare policies went sky high, or insurance policies in general, not necessarily the, the um, you know Obamacare policies, but the when the insurance premiums went so high, they couldn't afford it, and they had to make a choice not to have insurance. So it was really sad. But that that was a result of Obamacare. One of the many results of Obamacare, and some of it's being turned around, but not enough. I mean, they're kind of you know picking little things, and it's helpful. It's more than what's been done in the past, but it's not nearly enough. And this whole thing comes out. We were talking about a right to health care, right? So all of this, all of this, Obamacare and everything else is all about. And Obamacare was, in my opinion, some people disagree with me, but in my opinion, it was written specifically to crash the health care system to enter, you know, so that so that now we are having these discussions about Medicare for all and mm-hmm. universal health care. Mm-hmm. So it's done. It's, it's done its uh, job <laughs> in that respect. 
Yeah. I think it really but, has. You know, Jill, I was uh, talking to a client of mine who uh, they have a, a small business. They're entrepreneurs. Um, and she is was working on the health care for their family. And it was so complicated that she's like, I think that we just need to have universal health care because we need to keep it simple. And I think it was uh, kind of diabolical. Make this so complicated. Crash the system mm-hmm. so that people would would want what what they say is going to be really great. Now, we know in reality what they say and what actually happens are two different things. But what they're trying to sell does sound good when you've got this whole complicated system that's confusing and expensive. And uh, I I hope... And scary. And very scary. I'm scared. And and I'm very concerned about that. So let's talk about this. Is health care a right? How would you answer that? My answer to that... And everybody needs to mentally, you know, embed this in your brain. When somebody says health care is a right, the first thing you say back to them is, what do you mean by that? Oh. Because they're going to have a hard time answering you. The, the millennia, they can say, number one, do you have a right to pursue health care? Right? Life, liberty, for, you know, the pursuit of happiness. Do you have a right to pursue health care? Yes, everybody has that. Do you have a right to access to health care? Wow. You're going to be hard-pressed in this country to find somebody who doesn't have access to health care because there's always an emergency room and they're never going to be turned away. Okay, not in, not in our country. So do you have a right to equality in health care? Because equality in health care, like I said earlier, by definition, if you want everybody to be equal, like, this, like, like Ben Shapiro says, there would be no Michael Jordan, right? right. Michael Jordan wouldn't be allowed to, be, to exist because he would be – off the curve he is everybody can't be michael jordan everybody can't have the talents that michael jordan had therefore michael jordan isn't allowed to exist well or or michael jordan can't play basketball right he can't be that he can't play because he's got an unfair advantage okay so everybody everybody has to conform to the lowest possible common denominator in order to achieve equality okay so that's equality in healthcare would mean that everybody has really crappy everybody gets medicaid Okay, which is essentially what Medicare for all would end up being. Then, um, or are you saying that you have a right to free health care? Because if that's what you're saying, you're saying two things. Number one, you're saying that you have a right to reach into Kim Munson's pocket and take her money for something that you need or think you need. Okay, so that's the right to steal. The second thing is you're telling all the health care providers, doctors, nurses, lab techs, you're telling all those people that you have a right to their skills and knowledge. They are obligated to give you what they know and what they have, and which, which is what they have of value. So, um, yeah, um, and that's where you're going to catch them is asking them in turn, what do you mean by a right to health care? Okay, so, so th- this goes to then back to property rights, which is so important to the American idea. And, of course, protecting those private property rights is what's been so amazing to have everyday people be able to thrive and prosper. I mean, certainly America has a lot of rich resources, 
But there's a lot of other countries that have a lot of rich resources. For example, Venezuela. I remember Venezuela. They have a lot of oil and gas resources. And it was a thriving, thriving place um, back in the 70s. And then uh, when socialism came in and started to go after private property rights, that is when Venezuela spiraled down to where it is now, where people are waiting for food. So it's not that America has all these resources. It's the idea to protect private property rights. So when you somebody says that, uh, that, that people have a right to health care, and your first thing is, is you say, ask them what does that mean exactly. But if they are, say, espousing a right to free health care, what you're saying is that they're saying that they have a right to the property, the the talent, or whatever that somebody else has for free. I mean that that's right. amazing to me. Right, right. And I don't hear that argument often enough. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna go off because your your example of Venezuela was a great example, and this is what happens with socialism. But and this is what's happened with Medicare and Medicaid. Okay, with Medicare. Now we have, let's say, let's just take Medicare. So there is a set, there is a set pie of money in Medicare. So people pay into this pot, all this money, and this is just very simplified, and it's not exactly like this because it's actually much less fiscally responsible than (laughs) what Congress has done with that money. But there was a thing called the Medicare Trust Fund, and all that money's now been spent by politicians. But... There's, a, there's this Medicare trust fund. So all this money gets paid in by all of us that are working and paying our Medicare, you know, payroll deductions. So there's this big pot of money, but there's only one pot. So there's one pot of money. And now all these people, and now we've got the baby boomers coming in. So the number of people sticking their hands in that pot and wanting a piece of that pot is increasing and increasing and increasing. This is what happens when you have, and this is, a, this is, Medicare is a socialist program, right? And that's another thing to say, well, we already have. Medicare is a socialist program, so we're already a partially socialist country. Yeah, da, da, da. Well, and that's the part that's not working, right? The socialized parts of our government are the parts that really don't work well at all, and Medicare is one of them. But people don't realize because we just keep borrowing money to pay Medicare for mm-hmm. Medicare. Okay. Okay, so we've got this one pot. Everybody, the, the number of people pulling out of that pot is increasing. That means that what they get out of that pot is less and less and less and less and less. And somebody has to make that decision. What we've done with Medicare is we have turned health care from an unlimited resource where potentially you have an unlimited number of suppliers of health care to accommodate whatever demand is out there. We have a, we've taken it from a free market to a limited resource. Socialists, socialists thrive on limited resources because it allows them to say, we have this elite group of people who get to pick and choose who gets what. And that's what's happened in Venezuela. Socialism always run by elites, run by a very small number of elites, and they just divvy out to the people whatever they don't want or whatever they think the people should have. That's what socialism really does. It's the ultimate hierarchy. It's the ultimate haves and have-nots. And when, and when you turn something into a limited resource, now you have to appoint some elitist to decide who gets that resource. 
Okay, Jill. Now, baby boomers are getting to the point where, uh, you know, we need new knees or new shoulders or new, uh, you know, variety of new things, uh, new hips. Um, and it's expensive. And, uh, and, I, and you've mentioned many times, and I don't know if we'll have time in the next segment to talk about it, but government has made health care more and more expensive so that they can control it. But so right now I hear the, the wonders of modern medicine. You know, you get a new knee, a new hip, you know, a new shoulder. But it's expensive. And if there's a finite pot of money, somebody at some point in time is going to start to decide who gets the new knees and the new hips and the new shoulders. They already are. Um, my aunt has Kaiser, uh, has Medicare Advantage through Kaiser in California. And Kaiser, California doesn't have a great reputation. But um, anyway, so through Kaiser in California, she had to wait 18 months for a hip replacement. 18 months. And she's like, well, there's a long list, and, and I'm willing to wait. My She's a Democrat. So I, I'm willing to wait my turn. She's the old school Democrat. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's I'm, I'm willing to wait my turn. And, you know, they, they, it's just going to take that long. By the time she got her hip, she was crippled. By the time she got her hip, she was um, in a walker and a wheelchair going from walking around all the time. And uh, now she's in a walker and a wheelchair. She has permanent back issues permanent muscle spasm issues, um, you know, muscle wasting. She never fully recovered after she got her hip. That's what that's what's happening already. So, well, then, you know, yeah, it's just going to it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And the thing is, you know, when you have a limited resource, you have to decide who doesn't doesn't get it. Well, that's the whole. There are a lot of people who say that. And we're seeing this right now. Right. With uh, with the. Uh, uh, abortion that it's an infanticide bill in in new york that's going to allow a baby to actually be born and if the parents decide that it has some defect or whatever uh and they don't want it to live anymore they're just going to you know let it die oh, that's cruel somewhere. okay so so that that's but that's exactly what we're talking about if you have a limited resource they're going to decide who gets who gets that resource so now all the baby boomers we better be kind of frightened because mm-hmm. now we've got a whole generation of millennials who have been indoctrinated into the idea of socialism. Socialism thrives on limited resources. They are the ultimate creators of a limited resource. Well, well you so, know what? Let, let, so now they're going to have to decide whether or not we get whatever care we need when the time comes to the world. <laughs> oh, boy. That reminds me. My, my great aunt said, uh, be careful how you teach your children because they'll pick your clothes out when you live in the old folks' home. So anyway. <laughs> hey, let's, uh, let's go to break. When we come back, talk about trying to make a resource limited. Kamala Harris, running for president, basically has said that she wants to get rid of private insurance. So I want to see what you have to say about that. This is Kim Munson. I'm talking to Dr. Jill Vecchio. We'll be right back. Very pleased to have on the line with me, having a conversation with Dr. Jill Vecchio. You know her. You love her. She is, uh, had, has actually read the, uh, read the whole Obamacare, Unaffordable Care Act. She was out there explaining to people what was going on. Knowledge is power. Uh, Dr. Jill Vecchio, it is just so great to have this conversation with you. Thank you again for having me on, Kimmy. Okay, well, let's go ahead and talk about Kamala Harris. Uh, she's out there, as many know, if you know, she's running for president. She is the senator, one of the senators from California, the junior senator. And she was uh, out there saying that we're going to have to get rid of private insurance. So if you like your private insurance, you may not be able to keep your private insurance. What do you think about that, Jill? 
Well, it's kind of the same thing we've been talking about. Socialists love to create limited resources, in my opinion. I'm not sure that they realize what they're doing, but they certainly want to be able to control everything. I've always said there are three kinds of people. There are um, the people who just want to live their lives and kind of, you know, live and let live kind of thing. And, you know, I'll, I'll take care of my stuff. You take care of your stuff. And if you don't if you leave me alone, I'll let you leave you alone. Um, and then there are the people who want to control everybody. And then there are the people who want somebody to make their decisions for them. And the problem is the latter two groups tend to band together. They tend to get along really well. The people who want somebody to tell them what to do and the people who want to tell somebody what to do, and they gang up on the people who just want to be left alone. So it's kind of a, the conservative. And normally they like, they, like to have, <laughs> yeah, they like to have the live, the live and live my life and just leave me alone. They like to have them pay for all the stuff that they want to do. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, but, but the, the whole thing about getting rid of private insurance, and obviously Kamala Harris is um, completely uneducated about how the healthcare system works, as are, and, and, and as I found out through all the speaking engagements, most doctors are unaware, most politicians are unaware, that there are very few people really understand how the whole healthcare system works. I don't understand how every bit of it works by any stretch, but I'll bet there's not a single person who really knows how the whole system works because it's so complicated. Mm -hmm. But the one thing people have to understand is for, say, hospitals and healthcare providers, um, we'll say, we'll say uh, hospital. Hospital has an emergency room, so forth. So hospitals get paid by Medicare, Medicaid, private insurance, and not at all. Okay. So a whole lot of people that go to the emergency room never pay their bills. Hospitals do not go after them. And, uh, you know, it's just unreimbursed care. Then we have Medicare patients. Let's say Medicare patients go to the emergency room. uh, About the, the hospital will break even. And when I say break even, I mean cover their overhead costs. That's not any profit on Medicare. So they break even on Medicare. Well, who's going to stay in business if all you do is break even? Mm -hmm. Medicaid, every time a Medicaid patient walks through the door, they are losing money. Every one, every single Medicaid patient costs the hospital money. Okay. But we take care of them anyway. Now, the only way a hospital emergency room can stay in business is because of private insurance. Private insurance and maybe and, and cash payment. People actually do pay their bills. Unfortunately, they bear the brunt of stuff because they, they're expected to pay charges rather than that, what the insurance companies reimburse that, which is another issue that I've talked about a lot. But and that definitely needs to be addressed. That's the biggest problem, in my opinion, is, is the, the deceit that goes on in between insurance and carriers and hospitals and all that. But uh, private insurance reimbursement is more than Medicare, usually by 1.3 to 1.5 times whatever Medicare pays. That's how doctors and uh, imaging centers and hospitals can stay in business, is because of private insurance reimbursement being higher. So the idea that you want to get rid of all private insurance, essentially you're telling every hospital, every health care provider, get ready for a 50% cut in pay. 
Wow. Now, I, so, I'm trying yeah. to... I'm and trying it's to, cute. I mean, that's a lot. I'm trying, yeah. trying to find uh, a headline because social, socialism tries to make it sound that it's very altruistic and that people will pay you know, what they can for what they need. But I had seen a headline, Panera Bread had had a restaurant where they said people just could pay what they wanted to or what they felt they should. And that experiment failed. That particular restaurant went out of business. Uh, and uh, so this altruism that uh, Kamala Harris is talking about to get rid of private insurance and that, you know, we'll all just uh, kumbaya together, the health care insurance that people will get will go down significantly. It will be a race to the bottom. Exactly. Well, and, and the thing that they fail to acknowledge is human nature. And they tend to be some of the most biggest abusers of human nature. I mean, you have charity, but but it's always forced. With them, it's forced charity, right? Everybody is is forced to give of themselves, is forced to donate, is forced to sacrifice. But not everybody does. Not everybody does. People, exactly. Human nature says, you know, human nature says, get what you can to, you know, take care of yourself. Human nature is take care of yourself, make your world better. And then once your world is better, you can make everybody else's world better if you choose to do that. And a whole bunch of people, especially Americans, a whole bunch of people choose to donate and sacrifice uh, and, and give charitably of their own free will. But usually that's after they've paid their bills, you know, after they've paid their mortgage and their utilities and, and put clothes on their kids back and fed their family. So, uh, but but socialism is we're not going to wait for you to make the choice to give of yourself. We're going to force you to give of yourself, and we'll tell you where you're going to give, how you're going to give, how much you're going to give, and suck it up. And, and, we- and somebody else is going to make that decision, but nobody's going to tell me. I mean, I always wonder what the kind of middle-class liberals and kind of the lower-class liberals and people who aren't contributing to society that are liberal, that claim to be liberals, where do they think they're going to fit into this hierarchy? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, we, we have about mm, four minutes. Jill, you know that there are solutions out there. The solution is not government. It's just we have to have the political will and we have to, as citizens, have the will to go for the real solution so that instead of uh, government uh, doing this socializing medicine, which means that there will be a finite pie of health care, that we unleash the creativity and innovation of, of the American idea and then that pie could get bigger and bigger and bigger. What is the solution? Let me let me make one more point just so the, okay. the listeners understand. I would love to have insurance, private insurance companies out of the decision-making process, out of the reimbursement process for health care as much as possible. They should only be there for catastrophic, high-ticket items. That's it. I think we can have a much better system if we allow people and uh, practitioners to use a free market approach, um, which we've talked about on several occasions. The bottom line is you can have insurance companies be involved. You can have people and their providers making most of the decisions, or you can have government making the decisions. So that's really kind of a choice. Okay. I think I'd rather have people and the providers making the decision 
but that will require some different legislation regarding the insurance companies. But do you really want the government making these choices for you? Well, uh, I, I tell you what, I, I don't think so, because government just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, but they, they don't have to have results. Uh, and that is uh, what what we'll see ultimately is, is Jill, I hate to I hate to say it, but ultimately, if government starts to make these decisions, they may say, you know, Grandma, you're at a certain age, and we figure you only have a few more years left, so we have a finite pie on this surgery or this medication, and you're not going to get it. I mean, we're not that, that far. Obamacare. That was that's compared to the fact that this that was already in the Obamacare law, and I think it was in the, I think it started in the stimulus package. In 2009, the stimulus bill had comparative effectiveness in it. That's where it started. So we've already had that in place. Well, surprise, surprise, folks. We've already we've already taken that big step. Okay. well, we we, and I believe we can walk this back, Dr. Jill Vecchio. Uh, Dr. Jill, thank you so much. Uh, Your final thoughts. Um, You know, engage in a conversation with someone who thinks that Medicare for all is a good thing. You need to engage them and have the discussion because otherwise the majority of people who are first presented with, do you think Medicare for all is a good plan? Something like 60 or 70% of people polled, I think last week or the week before, thought it was an okay idea. The devil's in the details. And without the proper education, people were, were in charge or are, are in support of Amendment 69 in Colorado, the Universal Health Care for Colorado, until we started educating them. By the time the vote came and we had busted our little heinies to educate people and have debates around, around the state, it went down 80-20. So we are at the 70% in favor of Mark, like we were with Amendment 69. We need to educate people, engage people, have the conversations, talk about the realities of this before people have a chance to vote next. Okay. Well said, Dr. Jill Vecchio. Thank you so much. And Ronald Reagan said, Medicare will usher in federal programs that will invade every area of freedom as we have known it in this country. And that is totally true. So uh, this is Kim Munson signing off today. Read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. God bless you, and God bless America. And I don't want no one to cry.